Hey, this is Brian Caber. You're listening to Left Coast Pirates. Make sure you tune in. to go down by two. Here's Whitehead. Guarded by Ochefu. Gets the step into the lane. Goes to the bucket. Layup. Rolls around it in. And a foul! Whitehead ties the game! Pow! From Trenton. Woo! What Trenton makes, the world takes! From just west of the Ward Place Gate in San Diego, California, he is Mike Deziri, class of 2001. I am Tom Kaharski, class of 1997, and we are Left Coast Pirates. Welcome to this week's edition of Left Coast Pirates. It is December 19th, 2021, and Mike, something came to me this week, and I want to bounce it off for you. You got some time for me today? I thought I got to do this week's episode solo. What what, what, what am I doing here? Oh, Mike, nobody wants to hear you do this thing solo, but let me just tell you, I've got a new thought, and I think the Seton Hall Pirates are cursed. Now, I don't mean in like... The Chicago Cubs type curse, but I'm going to say every time we get something good, something bad happens. 1989, we make it to the finals, we should win it, and the ref blows the worst call of all time. Move on. My freshman year of college, we've got the most talented Seton Hall basketball team potentially of all time. We get bounced by Western Kentucky. We get that Eddie Griffin recruiting class, and it falls apart. We get Miles Powell leading a team to a Big East championship. COVID knocks it out. And now, this year, what happens? We got a ranked team slowly climbing up the ladder, and this happens. We're, we're cursed, Mike. We're Seriously? cursed. Uh, you're going to make me pick apart that entire intro? Uh, I will give you the 1989 championship game with the most egregious call probably known to sports, specifically college basketball. But the rest of it, you know, I'm sorry, Tommy. Come on. Upsets happen in the NCAA tournament. Every and you know what? time they, they, we get something good, Mike, something bad happens. We you, can't you have say, nice things. Okay, you, you could say that. Don't give me the curse stuff. Don't give me the curse stuff. You know, Seton Hall was in line to probably be a three seed the year of Miles Powell. Was everybody excited? Yes. But people had them penciled in for the final four. You're the three seed. Can we play the game still? Can we play the games? Look, it, there was a lot left on the table. There's a lot of what if, what could have been in a lot of the different scenarios that you just painted. And yes, I get it. It feels like it's going in that same direction now when when things are building up and the stars are starting to align. Why does Seton Hall have to be kind of subjected or one of the initial teams subjected to the pause again uh, based on the impact of COVID-19 the same way that it was impacted last year right out of the gate? I get it. I totally get it. I'm looking at the the games so far from this weekend, Tom. Nova got 
pasted at Creighton by 20, a team that's supposed to be picked to finish eighth in the Big East standings. And I know you're like, don't worry. I told you Creighton's going to be fine. I told you Creighton was going to be fine, man. I told you, Mikey. They are a young team. I thought they would progress and get better towards the back end of conference play. And they're running Nova out of their building, building upon the struggles that Nova was having earlier to that loss to Baylor where they, they, what, they put up 35 points. Nova has cracks. And then UConn, the team that's the anointed second best team in the conference, has their own challenges right now with the injury bugs. Sonogo is still out, and they lose their home opener to a very competent Providence team, but yet they still did not hold serve at home to start Big East play. Tom, it's right there in front of us. We're playing well. The Big East is wide open, and now we have to forfeit these games. So I understand that these games do not count against us for the NCAA committee term sheet, as they put it, but it still is a knock on your conference record in terms of the standings and in terms of the Big East tournament uh, seating. It'd be nice to hang another banner, Tom, a banner that we outright own by ourselves, not one that we have to share three ways. So I get it. It's a little disappointing right out of the gate when things were looking up so positively. But don't give me this. We were cursed stuff. Don't give me this. We're cursed stuff. Well, you know, Mike, in the last couple of weeks, I, I was warning Coach Willard, be careful what you say because it might come true. And you know, as well as I do, I've said multiple times that if you miss one of these games due to a COVID pause, you should have to forfeit it. And look, look what I'm getting now. But I can't complain about it after the fact. The rules, you knew the rules. You knew what you had to do to stay safe. And this is what now, happens. Right? It, it's, it's, it's different when there were no fans in the stands and you could try to juggle schedules for empty arenas and whatnot. The concept of having to reschedule and adjust on the fly. You know, I know DePaul has to forfeit now Monday night. We are forfeiting Monday night. And everyone's like, well, that's simple. Just have St. John's play Creighton. No, no. There, there are fans that already have tickets for the games this year. There's logistics in place for somebody to actually be hosting a revenue-driven home game. Who's supposed to give that up on the fly to make things work for the Big East at this point? That's not going to happen. I, I'm disappointed with the forfeits also, but for right now, that that's the case. Could St. John's and Seton Hall potentially reschedule down the road? Should Creighton and DePaul have that opportunity? That's going to be in the hands of the Big East, and right now, that's not the playing field that we're dealing with. But, that, but that's not going to be as simple as it sounds either, Mike. I mean, you've got these games being scheduled in uh, NBA arenas and NHL arenas, so it's not like you can just have your pick of what day you're going in either. Okay, but for the sake of playing the game. Now, I understand it doesn't meet the biggie standards or mandates of how many people have to be in the arena or the capacity of the arena in order for it to be eligible to host an event. But due to what we're still dealing with, I mean, we're still dealing with the fallout of this pandemic and all this uncertainty. There has to be fluidity. Don't you think that if there was a window to slate in a game on both teams by or whatever windows available, they couldn't play the game at Walsh? Come on. I, I'm or, a big fan of playing these game at Walsh, man. You know, they, they get into the dungeon, get those 1,500, 2,000 fans in there, whatever the capacity is for Walsh, and play it out. I bet that would be rocking if you had a St. John's Seton Hall game going there. I, I, and I don't even know if the Big East is going to allow this to happen. There might be adjustments and amendments 
to the rules going forward. But these games that have been forfeited just might be water under the bridge. But St. John's fans who are complaining that we are now ducking the opportunity, which we we have no control over, but that we're taking their quad one win off the table. If there's an opportunity to play this game at Walsh and the logistics afford itself to take place, I don't want to hear Kevin Willard complaining about the curtain in the background or the sight lines for the baskets. Let's play hoops, folks. Oh, these Let's Johnny's just play fans. basketball. These Johnny fans got to shut their mouths. They just lost the pit. Don't don't come knocking on my door when you lose a game to pit. Stop it. Oh, had, that's not fair. They, they don't have champagne playing. That, the pit's potentially the worst power five team out there, Mike. Stop it. So you play with what you got then is what you're trying to say, right? I mean, Seton Hall loses Miles Powell and Sandrew Mamukelishvili to injury heading into a critical home game against Maryland a couple of years ago and the fans rally Quincy and Gill kind of put the team on their back that day, big win against a top 10 ranked opponent play with what you got. Right. So we're going to get into some conversation with Zach Braziller today from the New York post and talk about some of these nuances of the rules. Do you have seven guys? You know, what's the protocol? What do you have to disclose? Or are teams just going to walk away if they're shorthanded and take the forfeit because it doesn't count against them from the, the metrics. It's really interesting. Well, you know, Mike, two more things caused me a great deal of grief this week. One obviously was not seeing the games, but reading all the nonsense on the message boards, reading all the nonsense on Twitter, it's amazing how many scientists and doctors all of a sudden come out of the woodwork that are Seton Hall fans and getting all their opinion, for one. For two, you just mentioned Zach Brazillers coming in. This is one of the things I love the most. You know, we call it behind enemy lines, but for us, we call it the beat writer circuit. We like to get every one of the beat writers of the Big E on the show so we could talk to him get dive deep into these teams and this time we got to talk to Zach about things outside of St. John so it's a little disappointing and there was a lot of good storylines you have Julian Champagny coming back this year instead of going to the NBA could have potentially been Big East preseason player of the year he didn't get the nod behind uh Colin Gillespie but you know that he's a first team all Big East talent you got Posh Alexander on the second team. As a freshman, he wins Defensive Player of the Year. As you mentioned, as you kept on reminding everybody, excuse me, last player to do it since Allen Iverson. They have a plethora of guys transfer out and a bunch of guys come in to kind of have the right pieces fit. Really hasn't happened so far, but a lot of interesting storylines to play up here, especially after a lot of the drama in the matchup between Seton Hall and St. John's in recent years and you're right i'm going to be asking zach a ton of questions about pandemic driven logistics and protocol and vision for the big east going forward and, and that's that kind of sucks mike i'm in, i'm so depressed right now i'm in such a bad place i'm gonna let you talk to zach by yourself i can't do it you could you could tell the audience you got family obligations <laughs> it's okay mike no, you're, you're ruining the narrative what's wrong you're with a proud you? papa it's the holiday time you gotta do the family thing once in a while I'll suck it up for the team. I'll be here. I'll put on my big boy pants and I'll ask Zach the tough questions. But you're a heck of a friend, Mikey. You're a heck of a friend. I'll try to live up to your expectations, all right? I'll do the best I can. <laughs> Just try to get the date right this time, Michael. Oh, boy. Here, here, here come the pot shots. No, hey, look, <laughs> we want to be playing basketball. I, there's, there's just, there's, like, this is interesting. We have to cover it. 
We're not really here in our hobby spare time that we do this to be trying to go behind enemy lines on, you know, what the Big East is going to do to mend their protocols. I want to be talking about basketball. I want to be talking about did Kevin, you know, push the right buttons. I want to hear his funky quotes in the post game. That's, the, you know, you want the whoa, did you see that moment? There's no, we don't have any of that this week. Yeah, We, it, we, it, we but... missed out on an opportunity to break down a game between Kevin Willard and Rick Patino. How cool would that have been? Yeah, we I, haven't I, even mentioned Diana right now. We're just no, jumping I, right I, into the Big East. Well, yeah, it, it's 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 gone. Poof, it's over. That was going to be a really fun game. I, I hate to say it. I think Seton Hall may have even dodged a bullet. That was oh, stop Iona. it, Michael. Stop it. That, that, look, that Iona team went on the, on the road, excuse me. They went to a neutral site tournament, and they beat Alabama and went toe-to-toe with Kansas for a while. This was not going to be an easy matchup. I'm sorry. That's so I'm not like, that's not Kevin Willard knocking at that door. That's Nate Oates. I'm not worried about Nate Oates losing that uh, game. Geez. Stop it, Mike. You know, anyhow, but we've we've belabored these points. Let's just jump into that interview with Zach Braziller now. Can, can I can I give you a silver lining before we go to Zach? Can I give you one of all, all the negativity that you brought give to the episode? One. Give me one. They didn't lose. They're still in the top twenty-five. <laughs> Well, that depends on how their voting goes. We'll see what happens. I, I was, I mean, for what I'm reading is it's since it's not considered a loss in a national perspective, it's only on the conference standings. It should not penalize a team when the AP voting comes out this Monday. Yeah, well, so I, I you know, Villanova lost. We should be ahead of Villanova in the in the AP poll come Monday, Tommy. Okay, Mike. Are, are you we'll not gonna, see how this goes? They got four losses. Are you telling me we're not going to be ahead of Villanova come Monday? Oh boy. Oh boy! See, okay, I'm not gonna go off. I'm not gonna go off on a tangent. Let's get let's get Zach on. He is the writer for the New York Post and is the sports voice for New York City. Please welcome to Left Coast Pirates Live, Zach Brazilla. Zach, I'm sorry that I don't have the over the top intro that Tom normally brings to the table, but uh, as we've told the fans at the top of the show, Tom could not be here uh, beyond the intro for family obligations. But welcome back to the show again. Glad to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. I wish we had a game to talk about. Well, I mean, that's, that's the whole point, right? Normally we bring you on the show with the intention to do our like behind enemy line segment and break right. down the upcoming matchup between Seton Hall and St. John's. But uh, here we are again, you know, larger forces are in play, you know, mm. causing the game to be canceled. So uh, let's just get right down to it and unpack all things COVID-19 related as it's kind of bringing the sports to its knees. You know, right now, the biggest yeah. protocol uh, is, is the following. If a conference game cannot be played on its originally scheduled date because one team is unable to begin or complete the game due to an insufficient number of players, including as a result of COVID-19, the team will have forfeited the game with a loss assigned to that team in the conference standings. So with the virus causing several shutdowns due to these no- COVID-19 protocols, how likely are we going to see this policy from the Big East get amended to maybe even mirror something similar to what like the Pac-12 has in place. Yeah, I think as more happen and look, uh, there's no reason to there's no reason to think that you're not going to see more and more of this. Um, I think they're going to change the policy now. The way it was put to me was, you know, something significant would have to happen for us to change. And to me, something significant is more and more games getting canceled. I mean, already there have been two forfeits with Seton Hall, St. John's, and Creighton. Um, the Paul, both games were supposed to be played tomorrow or Monday. And so that's where we are right now. I mean, I, I think the Pac-12 policy is really good where you give the teams the option. You know, they don't have to do it, but you give them the option. Um, you know, I, I think the Big Ten 
I know the Big Ten has a forfeit rule also. I I know the I, it's, to me, there's no doubt this is going to happen. You know, it, it stinks because I was so excited for the season. You know, also, as I thought, all three locals would be pretty good. And it looks like I, I was batting 300 on that because I think Seton Hall is really good, but St. John's and Rutgers don't look very good so far. But um, I was so excited for, to have a normal season, you know, after how, you know, to me, joyless last year was without fans and uh, everything on Zoom. And, you know, we got off to a decent start. And now here we are where, you know, obviously all sports are just getting crippled right now you know the nba the nhl um football although football is maybe not you know it's had a lot of their season already um but yeah it's i think i think you're going to see this policy change i have no doubt um i mean they're not going to want to have teams with three or four forfeit wins and that if they don't change it i think that's going to be the case so there's obviously a lot of public pressure to make this change right away i mean how soon could this amendment come into place i mean is it something that val ackerman can kind of make a decision autonomously or does it have to get consensus for all the participants? No, I think it's, the it's the board, which are the school presidents are going to, would have to decide, you know I mean? They, um, you know, they voted on this rule and it was unanimous and um, the board, you know, the presidents of the league are really what, you know, who run the league. And, you know, I mean, the, the joke is, well, the first time it happens to Villanova, you'll see a change, you know, because we all know Jay runs the league. Um, that's, that's kind of been a running joke the last few days. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I just, it's kind of common sense. I mean, like I said, they don't, they don't want teams taking multiple forfeits and that's what's going to happen unless we see some change with how we go about things. You know, I think the NFL now is starting to not test asymptomatic players who are vaccinated. And to me, if, if we want to have anything close to a normal season with college basketball, I think you have to do that as well. Right, we, we just we just don't know the extent of this Delta Omicron variant and how much it's going to really spread right. as we head deep into the winter. I mean, it's just it's expected to see that kind of a spike. But right. If these trends were to continue, we're already kind of seeing, as you mentioned, the NBA, the NFL have large portions of their rosters like decimated by this, right. you know, based on the close contact quarantines that have to take place. You know, fans are already afraid that we might have to go back to empty arenas or that bubble type environment. Do you think we're staring at a repeat of 2020 all over again from this point going forward? No, I don't. Um, I mean, I look, I'm no scientist. I don't know, but I, I've, I have seen a lot of reports that the Omicron is, is not as nearly as severe as, you know, as, as the regular COVID or Delta. And, and, you know, look, there's, you know, we have a lot of people are, you know, vaccinated with boosters and, um, so no, I don't. I don't think we're going back to that. I mean, I know in New York City that the mayor has said, you know, he thinks there's no reason to say public gatherings can't happen, and you know. But I mean, obviously, we don't know what the future holds. But I just, it's just not the sense I get right now that that we'll go back to that. And look, like I said, the NFL now has stopped testing asymptomatic players. I mean, I think you can see, you might see that um, more and more. And you know, also, I think it's really important to to note you know, you have a lot of these teams in pause. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of these teams that are in pause, they have unvaccinated players. And that's very significant because, you know, like St. John's, their star player, Julian Champagny had tested positive for the virus. Their entire team is vaccinated. So he tested positive and everyone else is negative. That meant everyone else can still play. Now, if they had unvaccinated players, they could be real close contacts. And then they, then they have to like quarantine too. But if you're vaccinated and you test negative, you're fine. 
Right, but so that we're already getting this on social media where, you know, no one's going on record, but a lot of the coaches are kind of sharing with people in, in your space, their frustration and saying, Hey, right. we need to have a different paradigm to address right. somebody who's asymptomatic vaxxed, but they don't test positive. I mean, right. what should that paradigm look like? Should it be what has already been put in place by the NFL or do we need to see this run its course with a larger organization such as pro football? Yeah, I think, I mean, pro, the pros always kind of set the standard, you know, when you look at this, we saw in 2020 where, you know, the NBA shut down first and then the NHL and baseball and then college eventually, um, you know, I think if you saw the NBA and NHL start doing the same thing where they're not testing asymptomatic vaccinated players, I think you might see the same with college. You know, my, my, my whole thought with this, this whole thing is I, as a society, I think we need to go in one of two directions, you know, either shut everything down and say, look, we're, we're, we're in a huge spike. Let's just, you know, give it a month or something, three weeks, whatever, or say, we're going to plow through this where, you know, if you're sick, you, you stay by yourself, you quarantine, you get tested. But if you're asymptomatic and you're vaccinated, you don't have to get tested. And we're going to just plow through this and, to me, it's like you got to pick one side. It's like we're trying to go in the middle here where we're trying to like operate normally yet be extra safe. And I'm not saying, you know, the the plow through method isn't risky. It is. But it's like I feel like you got to kind of make a decision. You have to go one way or the other. Um, that's just that's just kind of my thought is it's is kind of got to kind of pick a direction here. And it doesn't feel like we are right now. Well, Tom and I have tried to stay neutral as we talk about this subject matter and not get political, but I'm, I'm more in line have, of your thought process. I just think that if you have the let's just play through it, you're opening yourself up for some liability. Maybe the pros feel like they can manage that with their union labor relationships. But I think when you're dealing with a student athlete, if there were to be some fallout medically, I think the liability issue becomes much bigger. So that, well, that leads me to this next question. Well, it's also not. I mean, you could also present the option like where, you know, players yeah they can opt out or if they don't want or they want to get tested to find out and if they're asymptomatic and they still want to not you know go into quarantine that's an option too but i think at least giving that option if we're not the the other side of the coin though you're not giving the person across the way the option to know if that person was positive or not right i no, i understand it's messy i I, we get it it it's not a perfect this it's not a perfect look there neither is a perfect choice i just feel like we're trying to thread the needle through this instead of picking a direction. So assuming the NCAA does not pick a direction and they stay the current course that they're on, would it behoove them to start creating a model of a bubble-like NCAA tournament setup just in case this kind of rears its ugly head? They don't follow the asymptomatic protocol of the NFL. Should they be back in a bubble come March? I don't know. You know, I, you know everything you hear is Omicron will kind of at least where it's bad now in these big cities, you know, the cold weather cities, um, that Omicron will kind of reach its apex in a few weeks and that then maybe by like February or March, it's going to kind of die down. But I do think they at least need to consider that as a possibility. Yes. All right, we're probably boring the heck out of our listeners getting into all this COVID stuff. Let's try to relate it a little bit to Seton Hall and St. John's and talk about the impacts of how this canceled matchup is going to kind of play out throughout the rest of the season. You know, many fans right now may or not know that the game that's ruled as a forfeit will not count as a loss 
on your team sheet for the NCAA evaluation, but it will count as a loss in terms of your standings for Big East play and for Big East tournament season uh, seating. So if you want to kind of win the, the banner to hang, this is going to count as an 0-1 against your Big East record. But to me, I, I think it goes beyond that, right? St. John's probably needed this win or this opportunity for a win because it was a quadrant one being on the road uh, where Seton Hall is currently positioned with all the opportunities that they missed in their non-conference to put that resume marquee victory you know, on the docket. How much does this hurt them just not playing the game in general? You know, before Champagny tested positive, I said it's a bad break for St. John's, you know, because if Seton Hall had eight or nine guys and, you know, it was with whoever, whoever it was, and it's key players I've heard, I'm not going to name names, but key players, they would Seton Hall be out. But then without Champagny and then how St. John's looked against Pittsburgh without him, it's probably a good thing St. John's isn't playing the game. I mean, they just, they were an absolute mess against Pittsburgh. You know, one of the worst power five teams in the country lost the game, you know, a real bad loss. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's probably, honestly, it's probably in both teams' best interest not to play the game, considering St. John's doesn't have its best player, considering Seton Hall would be without three or four key guys. And who knows, maybe we'll reschedule it um, down the road if they change the policy. But initially, I felt it helped Seton Hall more. I get the whole, you know, in terms of maybe winning the league, it doesn't help them. But in the long run, it doesn't impact their resume at all. You know, St. John's needs as many opportunities as they can because they had a weak non-conference. They lost their, you know, their two marquee games to Kansas and Indiana. But without Champagne, they, you know, who knows? I mean, depending on who was out for Seton Hall. But I think St. John's without him could use a few days of practice to try to figure things out without him. So let me ask you this. A lot of fans were taking shots at St. John's on social media saying bad loss season's over. And your immediate response was, you know, don't jump off the deep end right away. The committee will look at a loss like that and see who wasn't present for that particular game. Assuming that we continue to go through the conference play and teams decide to now play shorthanded instead of taking the high road of just taking the forfeit is the NCAA committee going to look at that and say, all right, you you played the game. We're going to evaluate that as a win or a loss or is, every individual game going to be dissected as to who was playing and who was out for COVID. I mean, yeah, look, they've always said, we're going to evaluate you based on the team you're bringing to the NCAA tournament. You know, um, that's what they say. That's always been the, the thing, you know, I mean, a few years ago, Syracuse got in and, and, and I think a big part of that was Beheim missed the first like eight, nine, eight games because he was suspended. And yeah, they don't and get they, me started on that. We don't, we don't they, talk kindly to Syracuse on this. Right, show. right. But so they factored that in. Like, so yeah, I do look St. John's when they made this schedule, we're basically saying we're going to make or break our season in the Big East. You know, they had a lot of new guys, or well, a lot of teams do. And that was kind of, you know, they can say whatever they want about schedule. It's a weak schedule. I, I think they did themselves a disservice, but it is what it is they're going to make or break them themselves in the league. Now the league did great. The non-conference, which really helped St. John's. Now they have to play well and look, they've not, they've not been a good team. They've, you know, they, they almost lost to NJIT. They almost lost to St. Francis need to rally against them. They weren't great against FDU. You know, they, um, they, they, they almost blew a big lead to Monmouth, which is probably their best win. And Monmouth's had a great year so far, but St. John still should beat them by 20. They played pretty well and then just kind of fell apart in spots. And then they lose to a bad pit team, you know, that already has losses to the Citadel and UMBC and Monmouth. So look, they've just, they have been good, but I do think when you consider they have two of the better players in the league in 
Alexander and Champetti. They do have, to me, more talent than they had last year, that they're going to figure things out and are going to be in the mix come February to be in the tournament. I still believe that. Now, maybe in a few weeks and they're two and four in the league, I will feel differently. But, you know, right now, and I do think the schedule does work well for them. They, they open at home against Butler on Thursday, and Butler's a team that's really struggled. They're shorthanded. I think even without Champagny, St. John's can win that game. And they get they get Marquette at home. They get DePaul and Georgetown. So they have the right framework to try to build up some confidence getting into the league early here. All right, that's fair. But I want to stick around this whole seven eligible players and you're supposed to play. And Because for me, this is where it gets a little dicey. And, and I want to rewind back uh, for a second to the Iona-Seton Hall game that should have taken place over this weekend at MSG, right? So Jeff Goodman tweeted on Thursday that the Gazelle Group and Iona both want Seton Hall to play on Saturday, but the Pirates have multiple COVID cases and do not want to play. So did that mean that potentially at that moment, Seton Hall could have put enough players on the floor out of their 14 scholarship athletes, and they just chose to not want to play the game against Patino because they didn't have their full arsenal? I mean, it, it kind of depends who you ask. You know, they so here, this is, you know, what I've heard. They had two, two positive COVID cases, and they had two close contacts of un- unvaccinated players. So right off the bat, that's four guys missing. You, fig- you factor in Jahari Long is hurt. That's five guys missing. Well, Ike, Yager, they right? said, wasn't yeah. ready. That's six. And Weston, he's been practicing, but they say he's not ready. So that's seven. So that takes you takes to seven. Takes you to seven. Oh, and then they also, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah. But, but that, that was, was a non-conference game. So I don't think they were bound by the rule of seven for the non-conference right. game against Iona, okay. right? Right. But, but now we're juggling, you know, was it in their best interest to take on a pretty solid Iona team at a neutral right. site? where they're chomping at the bit to get that game against Seton Hall. Right. If I'm Kevin Willard, I'm probably avoiding that game also. But but then you kind of translate what you just kind of explain. And you oh, bring oh it- I also, um, I think the plan is to redshirt Ryan Conway. So that would take you to ah, six. So that was be my other question. So here's a guy who has not been announced to redshirt yet. Right. So well, let's take Iona and throw it out the window. Obviously, they right. didn't feel comfortable with the six or seven guys they wanted to roll into msg with but now you go into monday night and one has to sit there and play the same math we're all we're all speculating you guys have a little more information than us but nothing's officially on the books as to who could play and who could not with all the injuries and whatnot but let's take a ryan conway situation he's eligible he's healthy if you do all the math that you just presented they have seven should they i don't don't think it's i don't think it's fair to ask a school to burn a red shirt i i don't either but that's the point is does seton all have to present this information to the opposing team to basically say, hey, here's who's vaccinated. Here's who tested positive. Is that the way this has to play I out? I think they have, have to, to present it to the league more than anything else. Um, I mean, what I had heard was initially for Saturday, they only had six guys. And then I'd heard there was a chance if they could have eight, if Obiago and Weston were ready. But then by okay. by okay. Friday, they, they didn't think they'd be ready. Now, it depends who you talk to. There's some people that say, well, Weston's been practicing, you know? Like he's ready to play. Maybe Seton Hall is thinking of redshirting. Right. They might redshirt him as well. I've heard that. So if right. Seton so, Hall is being held to the standard of those two guys, Conway and Weston are eligible to play and they're healthy, but they want to redshirt them. Should they be held to a standard or they have to redshirt them now? Here's the other thing. thing. Let's say, let's say, let's say Obiagu isn't ready to play. Right. And let's say they're without, you know, four key guys, whoever it is, you know, let's say it's sure. like three starters, right? Let's say it's without three starters. And they have like seven scholars, seven guys can play. 
Sure. Should they be like forced to play? I mean, I don't I, know. I, I, I don't know either. I I want to I want to see people play. I'm here for the love of the game. I do it's too. College but... basketball, right? It's I don't yeah. want to treat it like a business. Kevin has to worry about his program. He's got to worry about getting to the NCAA tournament. There's a lot of money at stake relative to all this. I get all that, but from a fan perspective, they're supposed to be student athletes. We want to just see them play basketball. No. Yeah, I mean, I I can see I can see both arguments. Like, is he is he actually helping his team by having them play with seven guys and you know a few guys who aren't used to playing big minutes? You know, they're not going to be in the best position relative to how they played so far this year. I his totally job, he doesn't owe anything to St. John's. He owes his job is to do what's best for his team. So if that means he has six, he has, well, you need seven guys. That means he has seven guys. And it's a few guys who haven't been playing much or just been backups. And now you're asking them to play 30 minutes. You know, one of them might, might hurt himself. Like it, I don't, I don't have a problem with if, if he kind of massage things to say, we don't quite have seven. Oh, it's like, not just going to be Kevin Willard. I think everyone's going to massage this scenario if right. presented to their program, I, but you're going to hear the argument of, Hey, let's play or what happened right. to the concept of next man up, right? You're watching, you're watching the nets have what nine guys down until they recently, suspended their last two games they were bringing up guys from the from the g league to play yeah well hey i mean st john's would have loved to have uh their top recruit aj store come play at the garden yesterday you can't do that no i hear you all right so <laughs> you, you brought up another fact here that you know st john's was 100 vaccinated but in seton right. hall's case there are some players that are and some players that aren't and i think that's where some of the frustration is going to be building from the fans around this subject matter because if one player as you mentioned were to test positive, but a vaccinated teammate does not, they're considered a close contact and can play, which we saw specifically in the St. John's Pittsburgh scenario. However, if one player tests positive, all the unvaccinated players are now considered a close contact and they have to quarantine. Am I correct? For 14 days. Um, I'm really not sure. 14. I'm not sure how it works there. If they haven't tested positive, they might be able to, they might be able to test out. Um, and not have to serve that amount of time. I'm not sure the exact amount of time okay. that the unvaccinated players have to, but I know in New York, like Champagne has to, is done for 10 days. Now I'm, I'm not sure which, how, I know they tested Friday, but I think there's like blood work or testing where they can kind of find out how long he's had the virus. So if he's had the virus for a few extra days, they can like backdate it. Yeah. I saw that that was like 10, but he's also vaccinated as well. So the question is, Seton Hall has that game up, up against DePaul this Thursday. Right. People are basically just assuming that that's going to be a forfeit for both teams as well. Well, both, well, that's the thing. DePaul had to cancel their game because of COVID on uh, Monday. So I don't, I don't know what the, I heard, I'm not sure what the situation is. I know I, last I talked to someone that Seton Hall was hoping to be able to play the game um, to have enough guys, but I, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. But now maybe DePaul can't. So once again, so maybe Seton Hall says we can play because they know DePaul can't. My point is, Let's just play the games. Could both teams be eligible to play this game this Thursday? We don't know. And I think that's the frustration of the fans is with all the uncertainty of who's vaxxed and who's not. We don't know when the team might be at full capacity again. They've not given any indication as to when Seton Hall will come out of the protocols. And I think that's it's just hard for the fans to swallow to sit there and have this uncertainty ongoing. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunately the world we live in. All right, let, let me give you the other side of the coin now that's probably you know, r- rustling around uh, social media is that Seton Hall may have dropped the ball in this situation because back in May, the university announced 
it was requiring every member of the Seton Hall community to be fully vaccinated prior to the start of the 2021 fall semester. You know, that I understand there were some uh, exemptions for religious beliefs, pre-existing health conditions, or even at one point, personal reasons that were now taken, that was taken out that clause to my understanding. But just recently, as of early as December 9th, Seton Hall was only reporting 62% of its student body as fully vaccinated or fully verified in terms of vaccination. I mean, shouldn't it fall on top of the leadership of the men's program, Kevin Willard as well, to set the tone top down to say, hey, I strongly suggest we get vaccinated. So we have a similar situation like St. John's where if we get hit, we can still move forward as, 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 as strong as we can. One guy has to sit out, but the rest of us pick up and move on without him. Yeah, I mean, I look, I think everyone should be vaccinated. That's my personal opinion. Um, but you also can't force force people to be vaccinated also. You know, you can't, you know, I mean, if there's this loophole at Seton Hall, um, they can't force them. Now, the one thing is St. John's cannot play any games at the Garden if they weren't vaccinated. That's true. There's That's that true. stupid law in New York where, like, home teams or performers from the city um, have to be vaccinated but visiting teams or visiting performers don't which is the dumbest law ever but so that's the thing st john's obviously is was on top of things they got vaccinated and everything but they also knew we're not gonna play any that's games right. at the garden if we don't do that they had a different set of circumstances relative right. to other so programs that, you know fair. to be fair right. but, but what's not fair and that's another and one last concern that i have is now we even kind of did it on this on this uh, this podcast. Fans are going to start trying to piece together who was vaccinated and who isn't. Right? They're going to sit there and go. It's going to become much more political. They're going to go. Well, we already knew that you had to be vaccinated to attend Big East Media Day. So you know what three or four guys were were there from Seton Hall to represent, et cetera, et cetera. I think they loosened that actually. Okay. Okay. So I, I think there were some unvaccinated guys there. Okay, and, and I'm not here to try to you know unmask. Oh, in this conversation, but I think it's going to be unfair for that student athlete to have to, you know, endure that kind of scrutiny beyond what they're already facing from a demanding fan base as a college student athlete to begin with. I mean, is this fair that we're going to have to try to hold them accountable to their vaccination status because we want to see games played? I mean, it's, I don't think it's about being fair or unfair. I think it's, it's just, it's reality. We have our opinions, but is it their responsibility to be vaccinated because what they represent on the court? No, I mean, it's their, look, it's their choice. I mean, look, I, you know, I hate the, the well, it's my choice. You know, look, I'm obviously pro vaccination. So am I, so am I. I think it's doing for everyone who doesn't get vaccinated. They're doing, they've done us a disservice because this isn't about just about the individual. It's about the, the whole, but you also can't make someone do it. You know, if they don't want to do it. They can't force it. To. You can't force them to. All right, let, let's do this. A lot, lot of hypotheticals, a lot of directions we could go. I kind of have a feeling of what your stance is, but I'm going to let you put it together in one nice little bow to wrap up the, okay. the episode. I give you the commissionership of, of the Big East and say, go solve the problem. What's the course of action you're taking tomorrow? Um, I'm doing two things. First, I'm saying... Every athlete has to be vaccinated. The, bat, the MAC does it. The MAC can do it. The Big East can do it. That, look, you don't want to be vaccinated, that's fine, but you can't play. You know, we want to have as normal of a season as possible. You know, you can't play. 
And then I'm also saying we are not going to test asymptomatic vaccinated players. Or um, if you want, if you're if you're asymptomatic and you you want to get tested, that's fine. If you don't want to play, that's fine. But if we're gonna, you know, we're gonna try to play this season, the only way it's gonna be anything normal is if we do that. Folks, forget about Commissioner Ackerman. Forget about <sighs> Commissioner Wright. Commissioner Braziller, there it is. I agree. Let's enact it starting tomorrow. No, yeah, no. in our in our dreams. I, look, I, I'm on the same page as you, Zach. I, I hope that's the direction they go. It's kind of up in the air right now. We'll kind of cross our fingers and hope and wait. But once again, thank you as always for your time. It was very insightful. I know you got yeah. a busy schedule right now covering the Jets today <sighs> and, and also Brutal. kind of preparing for what's coming down the pipe with all of this. So once again, the uh, the show is appreciative of all the time you can give us. Thank you. Cool, man. Have a good one. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you, all right? Yeah, happy holidays. Okay, Mike, there was a lot of talk about whether there was actually – uh, a reason not to play this game against St. John's. You know, we had a lot of talk about only six players being available for the Pirates, which which caused a lot of consternation in the St. John's fans' world. I got an idea. Why don't we do a little draft and, and, and actually pick out, quote-unquote, our healthy teams and see which one of us would actually play this game against the Johnnies? All right, so so you're gonna, we're gonna take the 14 scholarship available roster. So I'm assuming guys we haven't even seen yet, like Brandon Weston and Jar- and like Jari Long's hurt and Ryan. All these guys are in play. Let's right? just say all of them are healthy. All of them are in play. Let's see who you pick and let's see who I pick. Well, I get to pick my own seven. Or are we gonna draft? Like you draft and that guy's let's, off let's the board. Let's do the old fashioned snake draft. Right. Like like we're right, picking up. So I want first. Like I want first pick. Team. I want first pick. I want to make this more stressful on you. Oh, this was oh, your idea. Go right ahead. Well, I'm taking Jared Roden. That's I'm, I'm going to war with Jared. No, okay. no, no questions asked. Okay. Well, most importantly, in my opinion, we need ourselves a point guard to bring that ball up because we're playing against Johnny's. They're going to have that pressure. So I'm going to take myself, Bryce Aiken, and since it's the snake draft, I'm going to go two, and I'm going to need a big to handle down low and grab some boards. So I'm going to grab Alexis yet now while I'm at it. Interesting. Andrew, you don't go with Tyrese. You've been talking up Tyrese for how long and you don't go with Tyrese? Yet? Yetna's been playing a lot better lately. I, I yeah, like it. I'll, I'll take the stable player that I know what I can get with. Well, if you need a point guard, then I need a point guard. I'm obviously taking Kadari Richmond on the way back. And now here's the next thing. Do I, do I solidify my front court or do I take your boy? Do I take Miles Kale? That's a tough one. Yeah, I'm going to do it just to spite you. I'm going to, I'm going to take Miles Kale. I'm going to go heavy in my backcourt. I, I got I got my backcourt locked down. Everybody's ranking Jared as a guard anyway. I'm going to go three-headed monster. I got Kadari in my backcourt, Kale, and I got Roden. Back back to you. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to stay big here because I really want to get that 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 front line stable and and kind and really powerful. So I'm going to go with my boy Tyrese. But you know, Mike, I'm still going to need a backup point guard here. And I'm going to take your boy, Jameer Harris. He may not be able to break people off the off the dribble, but he can bring the ball down at least. So I'm going to take Harris. Here, remind me not to make you my GM. Okay, you're, you're filling, filling in the slots the way you got to do it. I'm going to come back at you with Trey Jackson, and I'm assuming Ike's healthy now. Ike's back from the ankle injury. I'm going Ike Obiagu. Okay, you take yourself some Trey Jackson, who's played more up and down than my boy Tyrese. You keep I'm him. I'm playing okay. St. John's. I have no other choice. I need somebody at the four. He's athletic. I think he can handle the pressure. He's going to be able to be more uh, 
flexible defensively against someone like Champagny? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Trey. Sure. No okay, problem. this is where stuff starts getting interesting, Michael. This is where I throw a wild card in at you. You know, I still need that kind of dynamic wing player. And you know what I want to see? I want to see Brandon Weston out there. I want to see what he can do. So I'm bringing Brandon Weston in. And since I'm going with that youth movement, I'm going in with Tyler Powell as well. That's who I'm grabbing. Oh, you took Tyler. I wanted Tyler. <laughs> I don't like that. See, Tyler owes make... me a dunk anyway. Now you're going to make me pick between Joe Smith, Jahari Long, and Ryan Conway. That's that's just not fair. All right, well, I, what are I you need trying some... to say? You got a lot of talent right there, Mike. You got lots of talent. I need. I got five guys on my roster right now. I need somebody to back me up in the front court. I'm going to go with Joe Smith. And then I got to pick between Jahari Long and Ryan Conway. Uh, Jahari's knee's a little banged up. I'm going to go with Ryan Conway. You, you could have Jahari. <laughs> that's not how we're playing. We're saying they're all healthy and all available, but fine. I will, I've already gone with my youth. I need a guy who's been out there and knows what he's doing. I'll take Jahari. All right, so, so here's the point, right? So, so now you have your seven. I have my seven. And the, the whole point of this exercise was, okay, you know for a fact that these seven guys are healthy and they're eligible, and you have a Big East game on the slate. And there's a lot of you know ambiguity as to what you have to disclose right now. The question is, would you go to war in a Big East game with the roster that you just put together. So, so I'll, give you, I'll give you mine. Be... I'll give you mine in total. And then you could say yes or no when you go to war with mine. And then we could do the same with yours. So I ended up with Roden, Kale, Richmond, Jackson, Obiagu, Conway, and Joe Smith. I, we could all have Granda as the uh, the, the, to the token walk on. Is that fair? That's, pr would, that's perfectly fine, Mike. Would you play a Big East game with that, with that roster? So we don't have, would we play the St. John's game and potentially the DePaul game with that roster? Does it matter? Does it really matter? Should it be any game? We want to play, right? It's it's college basketball. Let's play. Can, can, all right, can I, can I give you an analogy? I would play yeah. with that roster. And, uh, you know, you're a little light on the, on the skill set in the front court. They're more bangers and bruisers. You got what? seven guys. Somebody gets into foul trouble. No matter how you play this out, you're in trouble. Right? I, I play no it. I, I play, for a week, I'll go with it. And, and your team? Give me, give me your team again. All right. So it, it, I've got I've got Bryce Aiken, Jameer Harris, Tyrese Yetna, Tyler Powell, Brandon Weston, and Jahari Long. Yeah, you got the whole team's like just waiting for an injury to happen. You got, you know, Aiken's going to tweak his ankle. Jahari's got a bad knee. I mean, I'm come on. saying they're all healthy. Yes. Maybe, maybe is, Harris Bryce can go is, one for 11 Bryce that game. Bryce at any point, Bryce can fall down and hurt himself. I got that. Oh, but with a full roster, we have depth. That's what makes the Seton Hall team that strong. So I think you're in a situation where I think Willard's going to lean towards the side of, hey, if I can't play with this full roster – we're not playing. Whatever the whatever the reason is that we got to give to the public, we're going to say the COVID protocol rule. I'm going to say my guys are banged up. We're not going to go in shorthanded. I think that's the takeaway from this argument. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch. Go go to battle with any one of these seven guys and say, let's give it our best shot. But I don't think Willard's going to put his team in that position and leave it in the hand of the committee to determine 
did we play that game shorthanded? I, I think you're missing out on an opportunity to show that you can coach yourself into a position, Michael. As long as you've got a point guard that can start and you got a guard to back him up and maybe another big off the bench, I think you got to play. Now, obviously, we don't know what the combinations of players that were uh, either hurt or sick or came up positive were we don't know what that combination is because you know what we're not adults we can't figure this out we can't handle the truth but this would be an interesting case to take mike like here's my whole takeaway with all this it's a fun little exercise you could mix the pieces around i'll say it again willard is not going in with a seven-man roster if he's not being, if he doesn't have a gun to his head to say, show me who's vaccinated, show me who doesn't ha- have a positive test. You know, if, if that's not in play, Willard's not going to go in shorthanded. Well, obviously but- he's not going in shorthanded, Mike, but I want you to tell me if you played a game. Yes. Here, here's why I would play the game. Because once again, I'm a fan. I'm not running a multi-million dollar business called a college basketball program all right in the big east you've got where no the tv heart, contracts Mike. you've got no heart you've got no you've got no heart me, and you've, you've got no pride not, and you've got no expectation of victory you gotta go in fair. there saying that's i can do fair. this uh, so I'm, I'm gonna parallel like i always do and you're gonna make fun of me when i give you this analogy but i'm gonna go back to when i was a, a college senior oh my and we, not again just, just let me I'll, I'll keep it brief the best of my ability here we played in our fraternity, we played uh, the, the college intramural football season. And we, yes, we played in the B League. We didn't play in the A League because we couldn't hang with the big boys. League. But we were a good B League team. We were a good I, B League team. I, I remember those days. I'm perfectly happy here. But that. the problem was the B League team, you got some like, you know, well put together teams that just couldn't hang with the big boys. And then you got a bunch of like, you know, mishmash teams that are put together from freshmen or their buddies. So that entire senior season, we play our first game. We romp who we play. And then every game after that, we win by forfeit. We showed up, you know, we either were missing class or we got, you know, we had our practices and we're ready to go. And the other team never shows up with a full roster. And we go the whole season with a forfeit. And then we get to the playoffs. And in the first round of the playoffs, the other team shows up one man short again. And we were supposed to move on to the next round with a forfeit. But me and my big mouth, I was the team captain at that point. I said, no, let them play. And one of my one of my teammates was like, no, take the win. Take the win. Go to the next round of the playoffs. And I'm like, we haven't played the entire season. We, we signed up to have fun just to play the games. We played a great game. We let these guys play one man short. And guess what? We lose on the final play of regulation, and we get knocked out of the playoffs. And my buddy looks at me and goes, I told you we should have taken the win. Mike, you're missing the big picture here. You lost being up. That's not the same thing as losing because you've you were you're missing some players, Mike. You guys just stunk. Well, it was like I could get into the nuances of how we lost, but that's not here nor there. <laughs> but it was a fun game. Yeah, it sucked that we lost. I took I took a ton of crap for it afterwards, but we still talk about that game years after because we played. We just want to play the games. And so, I think at this point right now, the fans just want to see Seton Hall take the court and play, don't one, they? One final question, Mike. What was the sorority you lost to? Oh, wow. I should have never even opened myself up. Should have never opened myself up. But I think that's a fair analogy. Ask me, I have no backbone. That's not true. 
it's sports is about fun. It's about participation, but it has become a business. So why is Willer going to put his program at a disadvantage to potentially not be represented properly for the NCAA selection committee? I get that part of it, but us as fans on the other side of the coin, we wanted to turn that game on on Saturday. We're looking forward to the game for the versus the Johnny's Monday night. We just want to watch basketball. And what's scary is this without having a definitive plan and not knowing who's vaccinated and who's not and how many times people are going to be in close contact. This could continue to happen to the program throughout the entire season due to the, you know, the high, what's the word I'm looking for here? Due to the ability for the Omicron virus to spread as frequently as it is. This might not be a one-time pause for Seton Hall. That's the concern. Let's just play basketball. Well, Mikey, I still say you go out there if you've got enough players and play that game. But now we have the waiting game. We've got to see what happens. We hope the kids can get healthy. We hope they uh, they hope they get tested. We don't even know who's positive and unvaccinated and positive and vaccinated and asymptomatic. We don't know any of this stuff. Look, like, as, as I said with Zach on the show earlier, I'm hoping we're going to start following some of the protocol that the NFL is taking, that they're going to lead by example uh, for the landscape of sports. I don't know professional football, any professional sport, not on the same wavelength as terms of college, but hopefully college follows, you know, the footprint that's going to be laid out, you know, on a national level by the, by the pros. And if so, I think we'll be okay. But we don't know. You're right. We just don't know right now. And, and that's frustrating. And, and that's how I felt coming into this episode. You're giving me all your, oh, we're jinxed. No, I'm frustrated. I'm just frustrated, man. Well, I, all we can do is sit and wait now, hope the guys get better, like I said. And so, you know, it's going to be a while, but we just need to say, hey, we got to get them ready. And we just got to say, go Pirates. Go Big Blue. Thanks for joining another episode of Left Coast Pirates. Be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of your other favorite listening platforms. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter with our handle at Pirates, And don't miss out on any of our previous episodes that include interviews with Seton Hall legends, Danny Calandrillo, Mark Bryant, Andrew Gaze, Shaheen Holloway, and many others. For Tom Gaharski, I'm Mike Desiree, and you've been listening to Left Coast Pirates.